Welcome back to another episode of Ownership Matters, a podcast for homeowners in resident-owned communities, brought to you by Rock USA. I'm Paul Bradley. And I'm Mike Bullard. And we're here to share our conversations with community leaders, cooperative housing advocates, and leaders from across the manufactured housing industry. We've got a great guest for you today. We had a chance to sit down with Natividad Seafeld, the president of Park Plaza Cooperative in Fridley, Minnesota, to talk about all the amazing things this cooperative has accomplished since becoming resident-owned in 2011. When we sat down to brainstorm guests for Ownership Matters, Natividad's name was at the top of the list. She is an amazing person and an amazing community leader. She truly lives and breathes the success of Park Plaza Cooperative. And she's pretty popular at our annual conference, the Rock Leadership Institute, as well. Just a quick note, we've included links to some of the successes Natividad talks about in the show notes of this episode. Check them out. Natividad is the founding president of Park Plaza Co-op and led their purchase of the community in 2011. She previously owned a small business and currently works in shipping for General Mills. She's a mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. Her co-op experience has led to being elected to the Rock Association and the Rock USA Board of Directors twice by Midwest region resident-owned communities. She currently serves as the vice chair for All Parks Alliance for Change and is on the Policy and Advocacy Committee of the Rock Association. Oh, Natividad Seafeld, I am so excited to have you joining Mike and I today for Ownership Matters. Thank you very much for uh, joining us. To our listeners, Natividad Seafeld is an outstanding cooperative president from Park Plaza Cooperative and I think perhaps the most popular and widely known co-op leader in the entire network. Uh, and so very excited to have you, Natividad, joining us. I know you're going to have a lot of listeners for this show, so let's make this good, okay? Okay, sounds good. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What uh, what brought you to Park Plaza Cooperative? Well, to be honest with you, I was coming out in my late 30s and decided it was time to get a divorce and find a place to live. And that happened to be where I could afford. So a friend of mine was staying there and I stayed with him for a little bit. And then I bought my house and I've been there since 19... 19- 98, wow. actually. So how many years that is now. So you were there before it was even a co-op, right, Natividad? Oh, long before that. Even when it was $285 for rent. Can you imagine paying 285 bucks? That's amazing. And um, yeah, it's seen a lot of change since then. Absolutely. Give us a couple of examples, would you? Well, first of all, we don't have an owner anymore. Woo! So that makes a big, big difference. When I moved in, it was really quiet. There wasn't a whole lot of kids. I didn't know anybody. There uh, was one street light on my street and one on the other street. That was it. I never met the owner. I didn't know who anybody was. I just went to work and went home. That's all I, I did. And I knew the person across the street from me, and that was probably about it. I had a giant pothole in front of my house that stayed there for the It seemed like eternity you know and you could swim in it that's how deep it was i got charged different water bills all the time because there was whoever was reading the water meters if i needed help with anything on my house i was on my own pretty much we had seriously old fencing nothing was being done ever and i enjoyed it anyways because it was quiet and close to everything i needed so that was the beginning of my move-in time, right, so to speak, and, and the learning process of living in manufactured housing. 
back then we called it mobile home or a trailer park because that's all I knew, right? Well, that's quite a different picture than one you can draw now since since the cooperative took ownership of the community. And really, Natividad, one of the things that has always stood out to everyone here at Rock USA and really to co-op leaders across the country and, frankly, many, many people in Minnesota is just the tremendous uh, neighbor-helping neighbor spirit that exists at Park Plaza Cooperative today. You know, here we are, hopefully, towards the tail end of the pandemic. You had some special activities uh, during the pandemic, one which uh, was a food program. Could you just tell our listeners about some of the neighbor-helping-neighbor things that happened uh, during the pandemic at Park Plaza? Well, technically, before the pandemic started, we had, um, I actually went and volunteered in another community that's not resident-owned, and it was doing a food bank on site. So I went over there and volunteered to help pack food or distribute food, just whatever kind of things they needed. A whole year and a half goes by, and I had often thought, how do we do that in our community? But I didn't know how to connect with the person who was doing it. And I was at the office one day and I looked over and here came the man of market truck driving through our community. So I, I ran, <laughs> I kind of ran <laughs> after the truck to find out where he was going. And he was going to a resident's house to help with her water heater. And I said, oh my goodness, a year and a half has gone by and I'm so thankful to meet you. How do we become um, a man of market in our community? He said, well, that's easy. I'll help you do it. And that was probably, I want to say in spring, a year before the pandemic. So was that 1918, 2018? And so he decided to um, bring it over. I don't remember if our community center was completed at the time. It's hard to remember anymore. But anyway, we used the garage and we started serving food out of the garage. And before you knew it, we had good 20, 30 families. It, it was the best thing ever. Everybody got together. Some spoke Spanish, some spoke English. They all laughed and hugged. It was like a giant reunion with great boat. <laughs> <laughs> with the great food you got to take home. And so we continued to do that. Then we started serving it out of the community center. And then um, as the pandemic started, we decided to do it as a drive up. And we have the ability to drive all the way around our community center. So we would pack the boxes and then we would give them food. And then eventually at some point, it was just too small and we were starting to be too close to each other and we were worried about COVID. So we closed it down for the year and it moved not even, I don't even know, like six blocks away. And that's where we go now. And so so Jimmy Dodd, you mentioned the community center and we can't let you get away without talking a little bit more about this. <laughs> you you have facilitated a whole host of of projects and community improvement work since uh, since Park Plaza became a co-op. But the one that really comes to mind, I think, is the storm shelter uh, slash community center. Can you can you tell tell us about that and what it has meant to the community? Oh my! When I first moved in, I didn't even know we had a storm shelter. Uh, I didn't know what it looked like, how how it even worked or anything. So I met the storm shelter when we became a community in 2011. And I was like, 
Wow, they making us go underground? It looks like something right out of a movie. These giant doors lift up and you go down inside the stairs and there's a boat battery running a light bulb. And that's what it was, like a cellar. And so 75 people are supposed to crunch into this. There's over 250 people. And and I was like, I'm never going in there. How else can we do this? So we, we went to the hospital and worked with that. And then it was like, please, somebody help us get a community center. So after begging and figuring out how we're going to do this and talking to Rock USA and North Country Foundation and everybody else that we could, we finally figured it out. Hired an engineer, worked with North Country Foundation. We actually hired them and then um, went from there to see what it would cost. We had a big meeting that was on TV. So they actually came over and we... We opened up a can of worms for our whole entire state, which was shocking that to find out how many communities either didn't have a shelter, didn't have an evacuation plan. If they had a shelter, it had one door, no lights. That was it. Keys weren't available. The management company didn't let people in when they were supposed to. It was amazing. So this pushed it even more. And with the help of North Country Foundation, we were able to get a grant for... 124,000. And we went, what? That's not going to work. Take it back. (laughs) Seriously, take it back. So they went back to them and said, we need more money. They gave us $424,000 to work with this. And we had to come up with the rest, which was easy. We saved for a whole year. We got a tiny little loan and we raised the rent $6. That was it. So we were able to do this project with all of that happening. So I think it was Minnesota Housing that gave us the money. And now we have a above ground concrete building with a kitchen and restrooms. And it's also able to um, withstand an F5. So a lot of people think, how do you stay in a building above ground in a tornado? Well, you can. And then um, we turned it into also being able to use it as a community center. So that's where we are. Tremendous right success for the community. And, uh, you know, that's just one of many things going on there. The new playgrounds, so many, so many great things happening at Park Plaza. You've built uh, quite a reputation in your area, Fridley, Minnesota, which is one of the, the great suburbs of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And you've mentioned North Country Cooperative Foundation several times. That's the Rock USA Network affiliate, technical assistance provider in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Iowa. So I just wanted to clarify that. But uh, Nativi Dodd, with this great reputation, you've been attracting some new interest and new residents here of late. And I was just, just give the listeners a little feel for who's been moving into the community of late. Oh my goodness, it has been so much fun. Our diversity is not extreme by any means, but we do have diversity. And so you you think about who moves into the communities and who are um, who are the people that are looking to live in there. The most recent one has got to be like a really cool story because this person researched us like every single angle possible. Looked up Rock USA, looked up North Country Foundation, Cooperative Foundation, looked us up on Google, found us on YouTube, looked up every newspaper ad you could imagine. He did every piece of research possible. Then he worked with a broker that is just literally in walking distance from us, purchased a double wide, 
of which we um, decommissioned a lot in order to make this fit and moved his home in. And they're still working on it right now. He'll be moving in, I think, in two more weeks. And I spoke with him this morning to ask a few questions. I said, can you tell me where you're from? I knew, I knew kind of where he was from. And his family is from Ethiopia. And to be exact, I will look this up real quick. That's the country. And the city is, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Adidas Ababa is how you say it. And so that's his city. So it's a mom, dad, and one child, and baby on the way. So that's going to be baby number two down the street. And it's a little boy. So we're super excited. And you know what else he did? He found out that on Google, when you pull up his address, they have the wrong house. And he wants to know how to fix it. <laughs> so it's, oh, my goodness. I don't know. So I, I'm like, um, he's waiting for an answer from Google, actually, to see how we can fix this. And so if we have this happen anywhere else, we'll be able to tell you how to fix it. Excellent. Well, that could be an issue at the next Leadership Institute. And people could be looking for the answer on that. That's if you don't. It's, it's great. We have people from Bosnia. Afghanistan is our biggest family of 10, and they're in our rental house unit, which is really great. Mom, dad, and eight children. And his story is great, too, but I won't go into that so much. We have a good majority of Hispanic culture from all over. Some families are together living in the community. And, you know, everybody's got a little bit of diversity into them. Now, so. Dad, you mentioned a rental house. I think that's pretty uncommon in rocks across the country. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, we have a stick-built house that is located in our community. And so when we first became a co-op, we talked about what would we do if we could sell it? How would we piece it off? And it came down to the fact that the city said no. So in the meantime, we became the landlords of a stick-built house. When the family moved out, gosh, it's been about five years now, I think. Don't quote me, of course. They moved out. They had been living there for about seven years or so. And we found that the house needed to be renovated. So we spent about $85,000 renovating the house and turning it into a four-bedroom. It was a three-bedroom. It was an illegal three-bedroom. So now it's beautiful. It has four bedrooms, and we fixed the shower and bathroom downstairs. We totally renovated that, and just a gorgeous place to live. And so we rent it, and that has been a good source of income for our community. And it's been great learning the families because every family that's lived there has a huge diversity background. So it's amazing. We've, we've even had food we've never had before. <laughs> I sat down to tea, homemade, and it's just amazing. Well, some listeners will know that there was a very large community that closed down not that long ago, maybe two years ago. Uh, as I'll quote you here, Natividad, don't quote me on that. But <laughs> so it was called Lowry Grove, and it uh, was just north of you. And terribly, uh, terrible story, actually. But a large community closure, which displaced a lot of homeowners. But one of those homeowners moved to uh, Park Plaza. Now, did did they bring their home with them? And and uh, how are they doing? Yes, as as a matter of fact, she did. Um, and she's actually on our board. The moment she moved in, she got on our board. So. That was an amazing feat in itself. Uh, we have a relocation fund here that's available for homeowners to move 
either their home or help them move into a different space. It's not easy to get, so not everybody gets it. And so she was able to do that, which we found out not everybody knew this at the time, but when you use the relocation fund, you need a space to prove that you're going to have one to move the house to. So we had to develop a new policy and that allowed for someone to pick a space and pay $50 a month until they move their home, which um, was new to us. So that was pretty cool to do. And she moved in. She's been there ever since. She's been a great asset on the board. She's been a great asset to the community. She loves it. And she loves the kids. And then the second person that moved in, just coincidentally, a house was selling. The family was buying their first stick-built home. His house was too old to move. So he purchased the one that was available. And he lives in our community as well. And he's an awesome wow. volunteer. It, I'm assuming that, that the Lowry Grove story is part of what motivates you to be such an advocate for manufactured housing. I know that you and the Park Plaza board have organized a really important meeting with both Democratic and Republican state senators that resulted in a in a big agreement. Can you tell us about that and, and what the bill would accomplish and how you all managed it? <laughs> I don't know. We got lucky, I guess. I'm kidding. <laughs> At the time, we were looking, when we became a co-op, we didn't know this was going to happen. We became a co-op and found out that we were not allowed to get our rent credit back. So it's being a co-op status cut that off. And there was just like a little gray thing that happened in the belt. So for quite a few years, I can't even remember now, it seems so long, we fought to try and get it back. So how would you do that? You need to meet with the people who are going to help you sign the bill or be authors on the bill or co-sponsors. So we invited our local district senator, Democrat Carolyn Lane, and we invited Senator Roger Chamberlain, who happens to be a Republican, to meet with us so we could talk about the bill and also North Country Cooperative Foundation and all the board members. It was amazing. And <laughs> I'll never forget the look on Bonnie's face when she said, oh, my gosh, who does this? They have a Democrat and a Republican <laughs> sitting in our office. <laughs> it was the greatest day ever. And so um, it was it was um, something we didn't think was ever even going to happen. And it did. And we managed to pass the bill. And this year, after 10 years of being a co-op, they're getting their rent credits this year. So it can be done. You know, you can't be afraid to call people on the phone and you can't be afraid to invite them. They They will come. It's rare that they say no. It's usually because they're busy and, and spend some time with them. We had a great lunch. And uh, the funny part about Roger Chamberlain was I spent all day on a motorcycle run that was happening in the middle of summer calling him and he'd call me back and then he'd call because we were trying to connect where I had time to just sit. And we were at a bar called Hog's Breath in Minnesota. <laughs> and we spent an hour and a half on the phone talking about the bill and Park Plaza Cooperative and communities nationwide. And when he walked in the door and I went to shake his hand, he said, you're not to be that. I thought you were going to be taller. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, no, I'm not a biker, babe, but I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first laugh ever. And then 
from there, it was it was easy. Well, easy talking about women on the shorter end of the height height <laughs> spectrum. You and uh, you and Lois Paris uh, served on the Rock USA board as appointees uh, by the board during you know the early part of the 2010s, but then we decided to do something formal here at Rock USA, and we actually, with your and Lois's leadership, uh, formed the Rock Association, which now elects and has been for the last what eight years electing co-op leaders like yourself to the Rock USA board. Uh, to represent communities in three different regions uh, of the country. And uh, you, of course, were term limited out at uh, at one point here, uh, and you no longer serve on the board. But um, I'm curious, and I'd love for our listeners to know, from a community leader's perspective, what did you, uh, what did you contribute and what did you gain from uh, serving on the Rock USA board? What was that like, Natividad? It was scary. Yeah. <laughs> it was scary the very first time I went to a meeting and you're not sure all the big terms and acronyms. And so until you find your space in that, it, it takes a minute. And um, I, I thought to myself, I remember saying something's missing and you need more people that are on the ground to serve on the board. I didn't think you were going to pick me, <laughs> but there it goes, right? And so I think the one thing that I brought to it was the passion of, of knowing that this means a lot to everybody. You know, having a home that's stable, stable rents, um, never being displaced. I had a lot to say. How do you fix infrastructure? How do you get the money? Beg and beg like I do, or you just figure it out, right? But there was just so much on my plate that was happening while I was, I wouldn't want to say just a resident, but a resident and a co-op leader at the same time and seeing all the struggles that families go through. So that was my big push to be on the board. And as far as the Rock Association, I remember, I don't remember if it was me or if it was Lois and said, oh no, now what are we going to do? This is going to get big. (laughs) We both looked at each other and just thought, okay. And we didn't even know what to say after that. And it's, it is huge, huge now. The association has just grown so massively. And you guys have done such great work. All of us have done such great work. And you guys are still doing great work. And and it is big. It's big beyond belief. And I don't even know where you're going to go from here. Well, we'll go so. together, that TV dad, wherever it is. <laughs> Yes, it's amazing. I, I would just say if anybody has the opportunity to do um, something extra special, get on the board and, and for Rock USA, not just your own, but boards outside of your community that could help you in Rock USA. It's amazing the work you could do as a, an advocate for the people who live in your community. Wow. Well, well said. <laughs> Nobody paid me, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so, Natina, you've got years of experience now leading a co-op, working in co-ops. If you if you could tell yourself something, now let me rephrase that. If you could tell somebody who's in a, a relatively new co-op, one thing that you've learned from your experience, either something you would do differently or something you would do again, what's some important thing that you would tell a new co-op leader that you've learned over these years? 
I think leading with your heart makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't stress that enough. You know, don't ever get too big for yourself because your name tag says you're the board president. Don't ever get too big for yourself because you're on the board whatsoever. You know, it just, you got to stay grounded. You got to stay open-minded and you got to really care and have passion about it. And if you don't have those things, then don't do it. But in the meantime, it's really, really important to lead with your heart. I, I can't stress that enough. I don't, I don't know. If, if you see that it's not heartful or is it heartfelt, then it's not going to be real. So I always listen and maybe I don't listen. I don't know for sure, but I try really hard <laughs> to listen. And then I step back for a second and say, well, if that was me, how would I want them to treat me? Or how would I want this to go? You know, what would I say if it was me? So you've got to put put that in perspective that you got to put them in. You got to put yourself in their shoes to figure That's it really out. That's really great. Dot. And you have a very big heart. Uh, I think you keep your humanity front and center uh, in all that you do. And it's powerful and people, people resonate with it. That's why you've been so incredibly successful that and your passion and dedication to it. Uh, so uh, I'd love you to talk if you would, because you get it. You may be the rock leader that's attended the Rock Leadership Institute uh, more than any other. I didn't do the math before this or so check the spreadsheet, but I'm going to I'm going to go to go out on a limb here. Not TV dad. So I'd love you to reflect on uh, the, the Rock Leadership Institute. What has it meant to you? personally and what do you see it meaning to other co-op leaders that you've met uh at the institute if i could do it without crying every time it would be even better right <laughs> it's super hard you know you meet all these people nationwide you listen to their stories and, and you know my life is not the greatest life in the world it really isn't i have good days and bad days but when you go to the institute it's amazing so amazing. I remember starting when we went, when there was a thousand plus people in a building from all over thinking we're this tiny little table. Remember when we started with like one and a half table or something? And, and you're like, why are any, what, how are any of these classes going to apply to me? They do apply. If you open up your, your mind and you say, I could apply that to my community. I really could. It's just how can I? So I learned a lot every single time I went. I don't care how many times you go. I always learned a lot. And the people, they're amazing. They're totally amazing. They all have great stories, sad stories, happy stories. They all are passionate. And if they're not, then you don't see them again, right? But that's okay. That's totally okay. Not everybody's cut out to do this kind of work. And you take in mind, too, that you're a volunteer. So that's even harder. But I would recommend that you go to this every chance you possibly can because there's something different every year. Throw your ideas out there. My idea was always, how do we work on taking care of ourselves? You know, we, we need to take care of ourselves. Can't just shut your door without somebody knocking on it, right? Or somebody calling your phone. So how do you do that? We have to figure that out, right? So every time, every year, we think of something new. We share different communities. We get to go and visit other communities. So I, I can't imagine not have attending those. And I thank you so much for allowing me to be going to everyone. 
I turned 60 this year or this past year and I still can learn. It's a daily exercise for me. I learn something every day. So I'm with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you turned 60 and Park Plaza turns (laughs) 10 as a co-op. I know. This month. What are some of your favorite moments from those last 10 years? National Night Out. I love it. All the videos of the kids, the NPR story. I think uh, when he happened to be, I forget how you say it. Daniel Zwerdling. Yes. He happened to be there on our fifth anniversary, I believe. And it was, (laughs) he just listened to the story and listened to all the people chatting in the background. And he's like eating his third bowl of chili, but don't tell anybody. It was so funny. And he said, okay, I got to have one more before I get on the plane. And I'm thinking to myself, probably not a good idea, (laughs) but it's okay. You know, all the births of the baby and uh, the babies that we've had getting the playground that day was so crazy. We can't be more thankful or enough of having say a thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for winning that playground from Rock USA and all the donator donations. That particular day when the community went to school, all the kids. They had no idea that a playground was going to be built when they got back from school. So they built it and the kids came and they threw their backpacks on the ground and they ran to the playground and played till 10 at night. But the top of that was it was National Night Out on the same day. So here were all your grownups at the garage eating and hanging out and all the kids were at the playground and it was the best day it was so amazing we did a whole two years we had craft day on thursdays from two to six the kids came every time and in the summer we didn't have it they were so bummed out it was just sad but there's so many amazing things there just really is how about infrastructure holy buckets (laughs) oh my gosh you talk about a community pulling together (laughs) that was great as well. I have a great thought in my head about that one, Paul. Remember walking through the mud? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have some great pictures from that uh, that uh, major construction project uh, at Park Plaza. Tremendous. I, I, there's too many to tell. And, you know, if you could, like, do a video from my head, that would be awesome. <laughs> well, take us, uh, let's look down the down the road a little bit, Natividad. What's on the Park Plaza to-do list? What do you see next? It, you know, we haven't really thought about it with the pandemic okay. and not being able to do a whole lot of yep. things. Um, we've saved a lot of money not doing stuff. And, and the worry right now is what's going to happen after the moratorium. One of the biggest projects we do have left is to um, do fencing all the way down Fireside Drive and, and put up the new fencing. We've already done some of it ourselves, but that's a 40000 plus project. So finding funding for that's going to be a little tough right now. But that's that's like the biggest and only project that we have left to do. So after that, I don't know what, what you do with I guess I it, it's, e- it's easy street after that. Well, tremendous, what yeah. tremendous accomplishments for over the last 10 years for Park Plaza Cooperative, the members, the board of directors, and uh, you yourself, Natividad. So congratulations for such a successful uh, cooperative 
decade. And thank you so much for joining us on uh, Ownership Matters. Well, thank you for having me. And please, everyone, enjoy the day and the rest of the week. And uh, thank you, Natividad. Thanks, Natividad. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Ownership Matters. During our conversation with Natividad, she talked about the storm shelter at Park Plaza, as well as NPR's coverage of their national night out and their community playground. We've included links to those articles in the show notes if you're interested in learning more. Yes, definitely check out those links. Also, if you've enjoyed our first few episodes, don't forget to tell your neighbors about it. Is there someone you'd like to hear from in an upcoming episode? Are there great stories happening in your community that you'd like us to know about? Send us an email at ownershipmatters at rocusa.org. That's ownershipmatters at rocusa.org. Thank you very much for tuning in. Talk soon. 